1: Grandpa, guess what? My teacher said that we used to have tails.
2: Is that a fact? Did you ask your teacher how she knows? Did you ask her what she did with hers?
1: Oh, Grandpa, it's in the science books, so it's got to be right.
2: Science books used to say that there was spontaneous generation, or life just popped into existence. But that was wrong, so be careful about trusting everything you read in science books. But the book I do trust is the Bible, the Word of God, which has never been proven wrong. I was kidding when I said you should ask your teacher what she did with her tail, but I'm serious that you have to ask her the tough questions about how she knows we used to have tails. She was probably preaching about vestigial organs. Do you know what they are?
1: Oh, no, Grandpa. I can't even say vestical
2: Vestigial organs are various parts of our bodies that evolutionists figured were leftover pieces from our supposed ancestors.
1: Oh, you mean like tails?
2: Yes. Other so called leftovers include tonsils, wisdom teeth, and our appendix. It's true we can live without them, but all of them have a purpose, including our tailbone. Its function is to give tendons and other connective tissue a place to attach in order to keep our insides from falling out. It had a function from the day God made man. Do you know where in the Bible it talks about that?
1: It would be in Genesis 1 verse 27, which says, So God created man in his own image, right Grandpa?
2: Right. Whenever your teacher makes a statement that contradicts the Bible, you can be sure it's wrong. So remember to ask her, in a polite way, how do you know? Because science is all about asking questions and examining the evidence. And that's a fact. Welcome
3: to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed and Dr. Carl Williams, all directors with the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. Another another great skit, folks. (laughs) Tales... The discussion on vestigial organs, it was thought a, more than a century ago that you had as many as 180 pieces of your body that could be cut out because they were useless. That that list is now down to zero. Carl, you had some thoughts in terms of what's happened to this definition of vestigial organ and with science itself.
4: Well, that's absolutely right. The, the change in the definition of vestigial over the years it used to be vestigial was... Leftover, useless organs that our evolutionary ancestors passed down to us, and we just kept it because it didn't get mutated away from our DNA. But since, as Scott mentioned, as you mentioned, that virtually all of the previously thought to be vestigial organs do have functions the definition has been evolving into a new one, which means that left over but with a different purpose than the original. And you can take that uh, with a grain of salt, just like the rest of the uh, evolutionary tale. So as far as vestigial organs, have they improved science or the concept of vestigial, has that improved science or brought science backward? And a a really terrific example in a very bad way is the thymus gland. When the uh, idea of of, uh, chest x-rays, rinconograms, were first introduced, people had uh, their chest x-rays done just to look and see what was inside them, and then they started doing it with uh, babies, infants as well, and oftentimes they would see this mass that they thought was a cancer in the, in the chests of many of these infants. It turned out to be the thymus gland. Well, that was something that was thought to be bad for the child, so many of these children were irradiated, which led to the destruction of the thymus gland. The thymus gland is incredibly important to the developing immune <clears> system, so to destroy it at an early age predisposes that child to all sorts of immune uh, deficiencies and usually they die of cancer of some sort or other before they uh, get much older. So that's an example of how evolutionary thought is damaging to science rather than a plus to science, which is what many evolutionists say, uh, that creationists are trying to take us backwards into into the dark ages, but the truth of the matter is evolutionary thought especially with regards to vestigial organs, is a tremendous roadblock to the advancements in science.
3: Now, there's really two flip sides to this stuff of tails. Uh, one is in terms of vestigial organs, which we're, which we're going to come back to. But also, there is a purpose to this idea that uh, out there by people with an agenda with trying to paint tails on us. Terry, you had a glaring example of that.
1: Yes, Carl Giberson, atheistic evolutionist, And a former seminary professor, during a debate, showed a picture of a baby with a perfectly functioning tail. The problem is, the picture was photoshopped, and he hadn't bothered to really check into it and find out what the facts were, but of course that never stands in the way of Darwinists.
3: Now, my question to you, Terry, is why would they photoshop a tail onto a baby?
1: Well they were trying to they they were either trying to make the Darwinists look stupid or um the Darwinists themselves thought that they could get away with it and and make their point about tells actually being useful or could be useful and and they would be vestigial from the genetic information would still. Be there from when our ancestors had tell so they were trying to prove that point
3: yeah well I think it's even simpler than that the the they're trying to paint us as evolved animals that we are just an animal like everything else and it covers everything it covers that you don't need God it covers that science know knows better that we are just animals and it covers that you don't have to be overly moralistic because there is no God and you're just an animal and if you are an animal, you lack like one. You are listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed and Dr. Carl Williams. For more information, go to sabsa.org. That is s-a-b-b-s-a.org. Today we're talking about kind of a variety of things with whether or not we actually had or have tails, vestigial organs, and where all this goes. One of the most famous or infamous of uh, vestigial organs is wisdom teeth. Wisdom wisdom teeth, many people will have cut out. I had mine cut out uh, because they decided that I didn't have enough room in my mouth for them and people have projected that this means our mouths are getting smaller, that we're evolving. However, Dr. Williams, there's been good research to show that uh, diet uh, is a bigger factor in that than just our mouths themselves.
4: Certainly, and the cultures that have high-fiber diets from from infancy have no problem with their wisdom teeth. Some of the oral surgeons uh, examined uh, the teeth of several African uh, nations, and as long as they kept with their traditional high-fiber diets, the children uh, developed larger spaces between their teeth which allowed the the, uh, wisdom teeth, plenty of room to come in, and none of those kids had to have their wisdom teeth removed, ever, showing that there was no evolutionary problem with the teeth, it is a problem with diet, and that is uh, a problem that most of the Americans suffer from, is uh, suffer from bad nutrition, uh, just because we're eating stuff that's easy to prepare, tasty, in other words, sweet, and not necessarily good for us.
3: In the background of all this is a simple concept of if we are designed and made by God, God doesn't make bad stuff. Or if things are useless now, if things no longer have function, etc., then we were just cobbled together by accident. So this whole discussion is implicit in the in the evolutionary framework. Another example of what used to be thought of as a vestigial organ is the appendix. The appendix sometimes becomes inflamed, infected uh, in this country as you were talking to us, Dr. Carl uh, in the pre-show is often cut out in America whereas they'll treat it with antibiotics very successfully very often in uh, England. But the appendix is a reservoir for good bacteria and can replenish our colon and is strategically placed in the middle of the, uh, between the large and the the small colon, so that it can do that. So this idea that we just have pieces that are useless, that we have pieces that can be cut out, suggests God didn't make us right the first time. And it's not what we find in science. That's
4: right. The appendix is also a perfect example of how evolutionary thought is holding back. So as, as far as the appendix is concerned, that's an excellent example of how evolutionary thought has held back science rather than helped it. When I was in medical school, we were always taught in the surgical rotation that if ever we open the abdomen for any reason whatsoever, go ahead and take the appendix while you're there because sooner or later it's going to cause a trouble, cause a problem. So it was, it was commonplace to tack that onto the consent form, say we're going to take out your whatever and your appendix while we're in there. Is that okay with you? And everybody would say yes because everyone knew of someone who had trouble with their appendix.
3: There was an attitude that it was vestigial; that's that it was correct. bad.
4: That's correct. Okay. And that has that has since changed. It is no longer taken out routinely. It is still taken out in the States if it becomes inflamed, but it is not a prophylactically removed organ like it used to be. Just how, for, how just how much?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. How much does that shorten a person's life on average?
4: That's a good question, and the, the answer to that is still up in the air. I don't know, uh, but it does uh, has been shown to. Uh, perhaps lead to an increased chance for leukemias lymphomas things like that of a colon.
3: Terry, we've only got a few seconds. You wanted to make one other point, please do it quickly. A
1: lot of times what are called tells are actually a congenital defects and it's just another uh, instance of genetic mutations actually being bad things, not good things and it's already been said at the uh, holds back science, by medical science, by calling these tales. So
3: it's not an example of us being an animal. It's an example right. of, a, of a defect. Correct. Information for creation events in our area are on our website's calendar page. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to SABSA.org or call 210-599-7240. When you go to our website, you can click on a link to our newsletters. Our website has a link for contact information on which you can order our newsletter to be emailed to you or you can call us. Also go to WhyShouldYouBelieve.com. That is Terry's website containing articles looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. ABSA meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. Dr. Carl Williams, and Ed Salisdell. Thanks for listening, and and we hope you found today a reason to believe the Bible.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn.